anytime I feel afraid of something, I know it's because I don't know about it. So that's the first thing I do. I dig in and I just try to educate myself as much as I can and just keep my ears open and listen to advice and, and just move forward, even though I'm a little afraid and extremely inexperienced, but that's the only way you're going to gain experience. So there you go. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, this is Bree Noble, and you're listening to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast, where we help you make great music, connect with your audience, and grow your business. I cannot wait for you to hear my conversation with April Duran of Raghouse Records. Raghouse Records is an all-female label, which I think is just awesome. But first, I want to do something even more awesome, and I want to give away a one-month subscription to the Female Musician Academy and Artist Collective for somebody that gave us a great iTunes review. So we are choosing randomly from all the people that gave us an iTunes review this last month. And if you don't know how to give us a review on iTunes, you can go to iTunes on your computer and go to write a review. You can also go on your mobile device. And if you look for us in the store by going to the search icon and looking up female musician will come up right away and you can click on our cover art. And then right next to the details tab is the ratings and reviews tab. Just click on that and then click write a review. So our winner of our one month of the Female Musician Academy is Denise Echo. And she wrote a review specifically for the Ariel Hyatt interview that uh, clearly she really, really enjoyed. So here it is. She says, this was a reality check, a great, concise and organized approach to finding one's own vision and how to believe in it and sell it. Thanks so much, Denise Echo. Now, please contact me at brie at femusician.com to claim your one free month of Female Musician Academy and Artist Collective. And if you're interested in checking out the Academy, it's at femalemusicianacademy.com. You can see all the courses that we offer there. And also, if you go to femusician.com and sign up for our free resource, 19 Proven Sources of Income You Probably Haven't Considered, then you'll get a special offer to check out the Academy. And now to my interview with April Duran of Raghouse Records. April Duran graduated from the Musicians Institute in Hollywood, California, and landed a position as a VIP supervisor with Live Nation. In 2014, she launched an all-female, all-genres label called Raghouse Records and is producing the first annual SoCal Girl Fest this fall featuring 21 female musicians and female-influenced bands. She's also worked with the NOM She Rocks Awards and Girls Rock and Roll Camp Los Angeles. So that's a little bit about April Duran. April, is there anything that you want to share with us that's maybe a little more personal that's not in your bio? Um, in regards to my personal life, um, I just want to express moving forward and everything that I'm doing um, 
with regards to the music industry and my career, I could not do anything without the support that I currently have, um, which I think is most important. Uh, the support of my family and the support of my fiance, John Public. I mean, because I'm a single mother and I have a nine-year-old son, if I didn't have their support and um, their their actual beings being by my side to assist me, I wouldn't be able to move forward with my dreams and my passion in the music industry. So I thank them very much. That's awesome. That's, I mean, you really do, this is not an easy industry, so you need to have that support, I think, at home. Absolutely. That's great. So I'm wondering what kind of experience, well, first of all, how did you get to become a music lover and what made you want to be in the music industry? Well, ever since I was in high school, when my parents allowed me to, I was constantly going to shows. I grew up in Southern California. So, I mean, there was a show every night and like literally, literally in my backyard. Um, I went to uh, the barn consistently, which is, um, which used to be a site off of UC Riverside. I saw, um, no doubt play there before they were even big. They used to open for the Skeletones. Um, I, Oh yeah. They're an orange County group. So I'm sure they were performing all the time around your area before they were even big. Oh my gosh. She was big before she was big. I mean, (laughs) you, if you could see the room, she would pack the room when, I mean, this is before hardly anybody knew of her. Like I said, she would open up for a venue, a little bar venue that probably the capacity was maybe two, 300 people. The, the guys would just swarm to the front. I barely, if I was in the back of the crowd, I was excited to just pop possibly see her, but she puts on a show. She still does. I've, and I was excited to even work her show, um, later on in my career in a venue that was 18,000 people. But, um, yeah, so I saw her, um, I went to the first Lollapalooza in Irvine. I went to the first, um, Coachella. Um, I was just constantly on the, the road to seeing live music. I was like addicted literally. And, um, it was just exciting. I had LA, Orange County, Riverside in my backyard, so I took advantage of it. Wow. So what's your favorite LA venue to see concerts? Um, let's see. I would actually have to say the most mem- currently I would say the Hollywood Bowl. And I'm not a fond lover of huge venues, but I love the atmosphere. I love the way you're outside and it's seasonal, unfortunately, and I understand that, but just being outside and just the people around there, people who go to the Hollywood Bowl, I feel are like just music lovers, just like I am. And you could turn to the sides behind you and talk to people and conversate about who you're seeing. So it's just really exciting to be there. I think that's true. I've been there at least once. We went to see an Irish group. I can't remember the name, but it's just fun to be outside Yes, and just, it's so enjoyable. You know, if you go on a, a nice night in June or July and it's just, you know, it's just a nice time to be outside. And like you said, there's the people that go to the Hollywood bowl, I do think are a little bit more, um, like upscale music lovers, uh-huh. you know, and, and the groups that they have there are, are more like that. Too. Right. Right. It, it's, I just love it. And even if it's a hot summer evening, it still isn't hot because it's shaded. So it, it's just a perfect amphitheater. I love that place. Mm, definitely. 
So what was your experience? I know that you went to um, the Musicians Institute in Hollywood. What was your experience there? And is that something you'd recommend to people that are looking to get into the music industry? Um, I, I do recommend going to a school if you're jumping from a different career to another. I was working and currently still working at a school district and I um, wanted to change careers. It was uh, probably five years ago. I realized, oh my goodness, what am I doing? I'm in my 30s. Um, I'm a single mom. I, you know, what's my, what are my interests? What can I do? And I, all of a sudden music, boom, just popped in my head. I did major research on schools and I found Musicians Institute in Hollywood for the music business program. I saw that they had a night school program for a year. If you went full time, I knew it was going to be um, very challenging for me, um, considering I live in the Inland Empire, which is 30 miles east of LA. So mind you, there's a commute three hours one way. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say like 30 miles sounds like someone in the Midwest, but that's a long way to go when you've got that LA traffic. Oh my gosh. It was, it was rigorous, but I told myself this is temporary. It's for what I want to do. It's a year program. So I went to night school there, worked full time during the day, again, support from my family and my fiance and um and once i got there i learned so much especially since i mean you think you know music because you've gone to so many shows but when you actually take a course on music publishing when you take a course on um you know just operations um licensing um law i mean it is just so overwhelming there's so much um so much to learn so much education so yes i do I do suggest that anybody wanting to go into the music industry should take some type of courses or classes. It will not get you in the door. It might, it might, you have to put, you have to put just as much work into it. Even though you went to a school that, that teaches you, you have to work hard at everything. You have to make sure you get good grades, but I do suggest going to a school because you learn everything you network, you meet people in the industry, you get, you, you know, you have contacts. And so at the end you have all these things now, whether or not you're going to use them is up to you. So just because they um, taught you how to do this, that, and the other thing, and you have these contacts, it's up to you to work hard, reach out to your contacts and follow up. Yeah, I was wondering if they kind of handhold you into the industry when they're done, or do they just like say, here you go, here's your diploma and all the stuff you learned and go figure it out? You know what? That's what they do. They, um, <laughs> they, yeah, they have a career site and you could utilize that. And honestly, um, I have not really utilized that. So I cannot tell you if there's good references there or not. I know they do email me, um, certain job opportunities, but usually, you know, I graduated, um, in the program and, um, I moved forward on my own and just, you know, went into it, dived, dived head first into the whole industry. Wow. Well, that's probably how you got your job at Live Nation. How did you get that job and what, what did, you know, what did you learn working for them? Oh gosh. So because I had just graduated from a school, I had to think to myself, okay, there is no way that I can reach out and apply for positions that require three years of experience. I literally was thinking 
of myself as a fresh early 20s graduate from a school. That was the only way I was going to be able to move forward. I knew I was going to have to start from the bottom and work myself up. So I applied at Irvine Amphitheater for Live Nation as an usher. I applied for an ushering (laughs) job. And I knew it was going to be minimum wage. I knew I was going to be doing work that with other 18 year olds or, you know, I mean, it's rare that you see somebody my age do, you know, ushering somebody. And if they are, you know, so be it. It it works for them. But um, and there'll be retirees who just want to kind of get out of the house. But no, I'm actually surprised that they pay you because I remember <laughs> I used to work. I used to, I didn't even tell you this. I used to work at the, um, at the opera company in Orange County and oh. we were at the performing arts center. And as far as I know, all their ushers were volunteer. Oh, wow. like they just got to go to the show for free. Yeah. Well, we're talking, oh, that's awesome. But, um, yeah, we're talking Irvine amphitheater that has a cap of like 18,000 people and the in-house, um, workers are probably 30 plus, And that's not even counting security. So, um, it's a big to do. Uh, so yeah, I'm, and, and you're outside, you're on your feet literally for at least eight hours. Your call in time is at three in the afternoon show doesn't start till seven or eight and, um, you don't leave till like two in the morning. Okay. Yeah. That's too much to ask for a volunteer. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so lo and behold, I went to the interview for an ushering job and, the interview went so well. She saw my passion. I'm hungry. I was hungry. I'm still hungry um, <laughs> in this industry. And she said, you know what? We can't put you as an usher. And they actually created a position for me. And they create and the and that position is still live and happening um, with another great person in that position, but a VIP supervisor. So I was thrown into this position. I created it and I um, supervised 30 plus Live Nation employees in-house and um, worked with the clientele, the patrons, worked with the um, artists and everybody else just to make sure that the show was successful. So it was a wonderful experience. That's awesome. How long did you do that? I did that for two and a half seasons and it was not and actually after i did the first season i was promoted to the will turn and there i worked as an assistant for the uh, general manager and the two in-house managers um, for the evening shows so that was a great experience and and that's not seasonal irvine amphitheater seasonal because it's an outdoor venue but the will turn they had shows all the time so that was really fun and i worked for live nation until i landed a job at m15 concerts located in corona california where i was a um, operations manager, and I learned so much there too. So I just kept moving and moving. It, you know, I just kept working hard and moving forward, and and that still is my goal today. Wow, you definitely. I think you definitely had the path planned out, and that was very good. What? So, what's the biggest artist that you got to work with working for Live Nation? Um, let's see. I opened shows with Slash. Um, I did the Kiss Motley Crue show. Let's see the uh, Weenie Roast. Gosh, there's so many. I'm drawing a blank. I literally worked every show for 2012 to 2014. So at the Urban Amphitheater. Did you get to actually meet the artists? I did not meet the artists. I saw them. We were in the same room. We were in the same area during, you know, sound check, load in. 
Um, there was disclosures that we had to sign where we could not take pictures or ask questions or communicate. If there was a conversation, um, we could not really talk about it and we kept it to just answering questions, you know, that kind of thing. And when it, they, they first asked me to sign the disclosure, I was like, oh man, because unlike most people who work in the industry that are not starstruck, I'm still starstruck. So when I see an <laughs> artist, I don't show it, but I get really excited. And, um, but you know, I, I put on my poker face. So, you know, I just, I kind of just watch them and, and they're just, you know, they're just hardworking people, just like everybody else. And everybody is so nice and so tentative and they're there to work and that's what they do. And they want to see you working hard too, to make this a successful show. And, and that's what it, it all comes together. So. So the only show that I ever saw at the um, Irvine Amphitheater, which back then was called Irvine Meadows. Right. That tells you how long ago that was. I remember that. But um, I saw, I went to see this Andrew Lloyd Webber review thing, oh. and Sarah Brightman was actually in it. Oh. And during the show, while she was singing, like one of the the like sound shells fell on her head. <gasps> it was oh, terrible. Horrible. Like I, I felt so bad. And I'm sure, I don't know if you would have had to like help rally the troops to deal with that. But I just can't imagine that happening to someone like Sarah Brightman. Oh my goodness. Was she okay? <laughs> she was, she was okay. I think they gave her a few minutes. Like she, I think she, you know, got out of the way real fast or something, but it, it hit her a little bit, but she recovered and she came back on stage after like 10 minutes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That would be me. That would be me inside <laughs> the venue, just running and trying to assist and help and, and do whatever you can. Cause a lot of times I act, I acted as security. I mean, you wear so many hats when mm -hmm. you work in the music industry for operations. So when you see something like that, you just like, Oh my goodness. And you just run <laughs> and do whatever you can and make sure you, you keep, you know, calm and everybody else calm and you, you keep it in control and inside the house while the, while the, um, show is going, but wow, I'm so glad she was okay. That's, that's big. Yeah, I'm sure the venue was not happy that that happened. <laughs> no, that is a bad, bad thing. Well, I'm glad everybody survived and walked away, you know, in one piece. So that's good. So what inspired you to start Raghouse Records? And why did you decide to create a label just around female artists? Um, while working with Live Nation, I noticed majority of the shows were, were for uh, male artists and um which that's fine you know they work hard they're there for a reason and i loved watching them but i always ask myself where are all these female artists these female musicians and i also noticed that in the crowds majority of the audience well it all depends it's all relative to the artists but majority of the artists had male people coming to the shows um i don't know the exact percentage so i thought to myself god this was probably right when I first started Live Nation, I leaned over to one of my coworkers and I said, wouldn't it be awesome if somebody created an all-female record label or an all-female, um, you know, festival or something? And then we started talking about the Lilith Fair and um, how the UK and um, Australia are already having girl you know, Riot Girl or Girl Power or Women in Music festivals and the U.S. is kind of, you know, lagging. And I thought, you know what, I'm going, I said out loud too, I said, you know what, one of these days, if I get the nerve, I am going to create a record label that's just all female, all genres. And they're like, oh my goodness, that'd be such a cool idea, blah, blah, blah. And 
you know, I start, I was working for Live Nation, working hard. And so it was in the back of my head, but I never really moved on it. So last summer, I dedicated my whole summer to research. So I did major research on just everything about women in music. And that's how I found you. That's how I found um, mm. Women of Substance radio and podcast. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. And everything I just was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And my friends and my family, poor, and my fiance, poor things, they would hear every day, oh my goodness, look what I found. Look, look at this cool thing. <laughs> or it was just such a cool experience. And so I knew uh, with a record label, that you have to have a budget, you have to have money. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to launch it and go from there. Because my first idea was to create um, a revenue or create some type of money coming in and out. And I thought, I'm just going to launch it and see what happens. So I launched it, moved forward, and the outcome was huge. I received so many emails and support um, encouragement, um, people reaching out, wondering what this was all about. And since then there has been nothing but positive, awesome, uh, meetings of people and great experiences. So currently I'm in search for my roster and I actually have a meeting with a, um, I don't want to expose anything that I can't, but I have a meeting with another large record label that um, will possibly want to collaborate so I can move forward on starting to create a roster for Raghouse Records, all female, all genres record label. So I'm really excited. That's my next step. That is so cool. And you may just be getting a bunch of people emailing you or Facebooking you because of course this podcast is all female musicians listening to it. So, you know, the perfect audience to hear what you're doing and be interested. Oh, and I'm so excited. Every time I get an email, I can't respond quick enough. I can't listen to them quick enough, want to support, want to promote. I'm just, I get the chills every time I talk about this as I am right now. So I know I'm in the right place at the right time. So I'm really excited about this. So I encourage any kind of feedback or emails or any kind of reaching out, please. That's cool. Well, I'm curious, did you have a mentor in the music business that, that helped you kind of, you know, with your direction or, or know what to, what to do and what not to do and help give you the strength to go as far as you've gone so far? I do. I, I do. Uh, her name is Joyce Mealy. She has no idea I'm mentioning her. It's funny because, um, I've been asked this question before and, um, her name just pops in my head because, I had to um, complete an internship for Musicians Institute, and I completed that at Fearless Records in Huntington Beach. And um, at that time, Joyce Smealy was the product manager. And all I have to say is right when I walked into the room and she was in the room, her presence, her strength, her power over just overwhelmed everybody and everything. Her her drive to create this, that label and her work ethic and her personality. She was a no, she didn't mess around, but she had fun while doing it. And till this day, I still email her. Oh my gosh, Joyce, what should I do here? How should I do this? And she's straightforward, doesn't mess around. And I just love her. And I thank her till this day. And I, you know, I'm actually going to thank her again today. I have to. Because mm. just with everything she taught me, um, just to move forward, don't be afraid. And, you know, the only thing they can say is no. So just ask kind of 
mentality in this industry. And um, I think it, it that's that was great advice. Oh, yeah. I think that's really important. And I've heard that from several of my guests, you know, yes. like you, you think that you just can't possibly ask somebody because they would never, you know, care about what you had to say. I mean, we, I had an artist on here, actually, the episode came out this week, uh, Callahan, and she just, she wanted to work with Sean Mullins. She sent him a message on, on MySpace back in the day. I, I, and he actually responded and he asked her to come over to the U S and make an album. That is so awesome. I heard the whole podcast. I was like, Oh, oh you heard God. it already. It just came out today. Yeah. I'm so no, I, I opened it up and I was like, what is going on? And I, I, it was just so inspiring. Again, I kept getting the chills through that podcast. That was a good one. I like that one. Yeah, she's she's really good. And she's really made a big career by just, you know, starting out by sending somebody a message on MySpace. She's like, what is it going to hurt? Why not? You know, you have to you can't be afraid. And, you know, you have to have thick skin along with that, because somebody that you're hoping might respond probably might might not. And so, yeah, so you just have to, you know, roll with the punches and and keep moving forward. So when you're looking for artists for your label, you know, what do you think makes an artist unique or what makes them stand out to you that you might want to work with them? Well, number one, um, you know, it's it is it's all about talent. Um, There's two things I noticed. Um, Of course, talent is number one, because if you have the look, you have what's going on or, you know, or just something that catches somebody's eye, but then you, you, your voice isn't really up to par or, or something, you know, I think, so I think number one is talent. And I think definitely number two is a uniqueness. And number three is, are you going to work hard? Now there's a lot of artists that come to me that have the talent and have what it takes, but then they don't want to promote themselves or they don't want to do the work or, you know, they, they're not really reachable. And I think that's really important as well. Um, and then there's artists that come to me that I see, I constantly see they're promoting themselves. They're sharing, they're making you that personal connection with you, whether you know them or not. And so that's what I look for. I look for talent. Number one, number two, you know, are they going to really, do they really want this? Are they hungry for it? Or are they just going to kind of kick back and see what other people do for them? And um, another, uh, number three, their uniqueness, just to see, um, you know, are they doing something different? You know, kind of, I always think about this Madonna, her voice in the very beginning, you know, it was good, but it wasn't that great, but. Sh- okay. Let's be honest. It really wasn't that okay, good. Yeah. Like her voice was not that good in the beginning, but <laughs> she was unique. She was super. Yeah, you got it. She was super unique and her, you know, her clothing, everything. And she worked hard. She knew where she wanted to go and, and she busted her butt. And I, I think that's what it takes. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I have also had this conversation with someone who worked at Warner brothers for 28 years. And she's, you know, her opinion was, not only working hard, but being able to keep it together. Like the label is investing so much money in these artists. And then if they're going to have a breakdown or if they're a band and they're going to have a breakup because they're just emotionally unstable and they can't work together, you know, you can't have that. That's true. She was totally, she kept on her health. I mean, she would, you know, go work out, go to the gym and she wasn't, you know, um, abusing any kind of substance or who knows may I don't know, but that it didn't seem like she was, you know, so she was, uh, you know, in shape on stage, able to pull off all these shows all the time. So yeah, I think, I think that's very important to stay stable keep a head on your shoulders and smile pretty while you're doing it. 
<laughs> for sure. <laughs> so you already said kind of what, what encouraged you or inspired you to start the uh, Girl Fest, but why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Um, you know, how you, how you kind of got it started, where you found the groups for it and, you know, how you decided to wear it, where you were going to have it and what it was going to be like and what people can expect going to it. Okay. Yeah. The SoCal Girl Fest is, um, going to be in Corona, California. That's, um, between that's 30 miles east of Los Angeles, 30 miles north of San Diego at M15 concerts. And um, I actually, while creating Raghouse Records, I wanted to put on shows. I wanted to put on small shows, large shows. Um, and I just wanted to create some type of festival that was going to bring, you know, all female singers of all genres together. And I was thinking along with other people in the industry, such as soundgirls.org and, you know, women of substance radio and, um, just anybody and everything that, um, was associated with working in the music industry that were female or girls or what have you. And, um, while working at Live Nation, I had kind of mentioned that with some girls and they said, well, if you ever think of something or want to get something together, reach out. And so I did my research, noticed that a lot of people around were creating these festivals, you know, in different states, creating conferences and, you know, California, such as the um, Girl Power uh, Women in Music Conference that I just recently attended last weekend. And I thought, well, why can't Southern California have a girl fest? So I had already had a roster of bands and musicians who had reached out that I watched their YouTube videos, listened to their music. And so I just reached out to them and I said, hey, kind of actually as an experiment, I said, hey, if I were to put together a uh, music festival mm -hmm. of um, all female musicians and singers, would you be interested? And you should have seen, I mean, I, I have a sub list, literally, um, because there are so many women that are interested in mm. playing this festival. And um, I didn't want to do an outside festival because, again, this is kind of like a, a, an experiment and I didn't want to get over my head. And so I thought to myself, well, who can I reach out? Well, M15 Concerts, where I used to work, I uh, spoke to the owner and he said, absolutely, I would be more than 100 percent to back you up in this festival. I believe in what you're trying to do. So there you have it. So Southern California uh, First Annual Girl Fest, September 26th and at M15 Concerts. That's awesome. Yeah. And we are going, and I haven't even announced this to any of our artists yet, but we are going to have a Women of Substance Showcase. We're going <sighs> to choose one artist for that, which is going to be so cool. Yes, I am so excited for that. Thank you so much. Um, I'm excited to watch that and follow through and promote that. That's going to be really fun. Thank you. So have you ever been to um, like something like LA Women in Music? Like I know they had something at least once a year. Yes, I actually went to one of their meetings um, not that long ago in, um, let's see, I believe it was in May. And um, it was really inspiring and encouraging. I met the founder, I met a lot of artists, and um, it was just a great networking scene. Everybody was really welcoming. And, um, I would suggest anyone wanting to reach out to one of their meetings. It's not, um, member exclusive cause they do have the non-member and the member. Um, I'm currently not a member, but, uh, moving forward, I will be. 
but yes, it, it's it's a really fun, um, laid back networking. You pass your cards around and your business cards, and you just kind of meet people in the industry. So it's really cool. That yeah, that does sound cool. Yeah. So speaking of that kind of event, you recently went to the Girl Power Music Industry Conference, which was in San Francisco, right? Yes. So how was, first of all, how was your experience being on the panel? What was the name of the panel you were on and, and, you know, how did that go over? Well, it just, all I have to say is when I walked into the room, I almost, I almost bursted into tears probably 20 to 30 times just being present there with the encouragement and the power and the support, um, from this conference, uh, Fiero Flair, uh, Carrie Fierro, who created, she was the producer. She is so awesome. She had smiles all day, hugs, um, just supported. And I walked in, I was very nervous. It was my first panel. I know I reached out to you for, you know, just any kind of advice because I was so nervous on, um, how I was going to present myself, what I was going to say. I reached out to a lot of other women in the industry asking their advice, uh, soundgirls.org. Um, I, I reached out to the founder there, Carrie, and um, all you guys just gave me such great advice. So when I sat up on the panel and because the atmosphere was just so empowering, I it was just so awesome. It, it, was, uh, it was easy, actually, because everybody was just so welcoming. And all I have to say is I can't wait for next year, for the next conference. It, it's, it's an awesome and amazing event. Yeah, I think I need to figure out a way to get involved with this next year because I'm really not that far. I mean, I'm like maybe four hours from San Francisco. Oh, gosh. yeah. So it's something I could totally do. Um, you know, usually I don't go to L.A. events because I'm so happy to be out of the L.A. area now that I just don't <laughs> even want to travel down there. Yeah, you know, I don't blame you. But, you know, San Francisco, I can handle. That's kind of my stomping grounds. I grew up in San Francisco area. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So what was the the title of your panel and what kind of questions did people ask you? It was a behind the scenes panel and they asked me exactly similar questions to what you're asking as far as what made me decide to want to move forward in the music industry? How did I get where I where I am currently and questions from artists? How how can you, you know, land a record label? And um, it, it was just so educational. I mean, I feel that I received more of a learning experience and education from the audience. And I hope the audience uh, feels like I taught them something, but I swear I went in there and I just learned so much. And um, the questions I think were just a 100% all around um, giving. You know, everybody was learning from all areas, whether you were in the audience or whether you were on the panel. That's That was my, that was my experience. That's cool. That's the best kind of experience that you you can get. And I looked at the panelists and I didn't know most of them. Uh -huh. So I'm, I'm guessing that, you know, they weren't just throwing all these heavy hitters in there that right. weren't going to, you know, be people that can learn from other people, which I think is great. I mean, you know, we're all at different levels and I, I think it's good that we can all learn from each other and not feel like we're too good or we know everything, you know. Absolutely. And nobody had that type of attitude at all. Nobody, I mean, there were, um, you're, you're right. There, there were some heavy hitters there, but they were, they're behind the scenes. There were artists there that, um, you know, you were like, Oh my goodness. You know, the pianist for Stevie wonder, you know, she was there and I was like, Oh my goodness. I, you know, it was just so awesome to meet them. Cause I met her prior to that, but 
she didn't come across as I'm a cool artist. I, you know, I toured with, you know, Stevie Wonder for many years. I mean, it, it was just a great experience. Everybody was on the same level. Everybody was there to encourage and empower women in music. And she hit it on the nail. However, and, and, you know, there was another conference going on the same day in Portland, Oregon. She shreds and, um, with Kate, uh, the UK artist, they were doing the same kind of thing, a conference in Portland, Oregon. Hmm, wow. Yeah. So that was That's, really cool. That is cool. I'm glad to see a lot of these popping up around. So what were some of your other favorite uh, topics or speakers that you heard? Networking, um, profiting from your business. Actually, I just uh, meeting the panelists who are profiting from um, their job that they started, you know, 10 years ago. Phys- physiology. She's from Los Angeles. She's in the genre of hip hop and um, rap and R and B. She started her company 12 years ago, and um, now she's you know successful. She's down to earth. She was there to teach people how to, to you know, how to start a business in the music industry. Um, Every panel was awesome. I mean, I just, I can't really pinpoint one because I was Mm -hmm. sitting right front and I was sitting right in the front and I was making sure I was just absorbing everything and just um, making sure that I, I just caught every word. So it was a good experience. It was an awesome experience. That's cool. So what, what kind of networking were you able to do at that conference that you think might be able to move your business forward? Well, I met a um, young student who just graduated from a music business uh, school that uh, I think it's fairly new. I think it was just on its second year that it like literally opened um, in the state of, I believe, was it Maryland? And I reached, she reached out to me and I reached back and uh, she just created a record label at her school for the students. And so she's, um, she has a lot of experience in that. And uh, I mentioned to her what I had going on and I think it's going to be a good connection. I think it's going to be a good pairing up because I'm a little in the old, I'm 42 and she's just right out of college. So a lot of my walls that I hit were um, a lot of social media kind of type things. And I had to teach myself certain things that people in college currently already know, or they're really quick at doing. And so I think this pairing up with her um, is going to be a, an awesome relationship. So I'm really excited about that. Mm, sounds like we're the same age. I'm 43. So oh my we must've graduated. I graduated in 1990 from high school. Yeah. In 1991. Okay. <laughs> Well, congratulations on your success. Jeez, that's awesome. I wanted well, to and you know, that. I didn't even start Women of Substance until I was, I guess, 36 because it was seven years ago. Wow. Amazing. That I started it. So yeah, maybe 35, but I, I had little kids and, right. you know, it was just something I could do from home when I started it. And, and Brie, that's, that's not that long ago, actually, for your success. So I have to say, I have to commend you for what you've accomplished. That's, that's huge because thanks. And I wasn't doing much in the beginning. You know, it was very small for like about three or four years when I had little kids uh-huh. and really only in the last like two years have I ran and especially the last year with the podcast and stuff, I've ramped it up, but uh-huh. you know, you know how it is when you have little kids. Oh yeah. And, and, <laughs> Oh, that was another um, topic that they um, brought up was us being women, you know, family is number one. 
And they talked about the women there. And I'm glad you brought this up of how important it is or, you know, how we delegate all these things. Because if we're not happy, the family's not going to be happy. So how do you juggle this career and family? And um, they talked about how, and I do it sometimes, and I know it might look unprofessional, but certain shows you want to attend or certain artists you want to meet, you know, you t- if it's an all ages show and you know it's going to be a healthy environment for a child, you know, you take your child or children with you. And I thought I was the only one, lo and behold, all these other women were saying, oh, in the beginning of my career, when I couldn't afford a nanny and I was just starting out, we did this. We did, we took our kids to the shows. They sat there, you know, and like you said, now now you can do most of your work online or social media or what have you. You know, nobody really knows who you are because, you know, with technology these days, but back in the day, they were talking about that, how being women in the music industry, how you have to juggle being a mom and your career. And it, it was really inspiring. And I thought, okay, cool. I don't feel that, you know, bad when I take my son to a show, to, you know, if, as long as it's a healthy environment. So absolutely. I mean, I have, a. there's a lot of talk in the, um, my kind of mastermind that we have the female musician Academy, that's all females. And people are talking all the time about like, how do I strike this balance right. between, you know, doing my music and not letting that, you know, just be put on the side, uh-huh. but with all the stuff I need to do with my family. And, you know, when I was performing, I would drag my, my daughter was three when I came out with my first major CD and she would come with me on tour. She'd actually learned how to set up the CD table and, you know, she liked doing that. That is so just You kind of have to do what you can do. You know, I had my mom come with me and she would take her to the park during the performances and, you know. So you have, that is so awesome. You have the support as well. And I think that's cool that your daughter was with you because they talked about how your children see you and your determination and and how you strive to to do this thing in your career and and they see that and it's a positive it's a positive thing for them to see and um, Carrie Fierro she had her mom there I actually was um, I sat right next to her and she was just it was cool to see the generations and and, and talk to them about how important it is to have the support and not really drag your family along, but bring them along. And I think it's a win-win, you know? Well, it's fun to get your family involved. I mean, actually right now, my mom does my show notes for the Women of Substance podcast. Oh my God, that's awesome. Which is fun (laughs) because, you know, then she like gets to know like all of the background on the artists and, Uh you know, and and then my daughter, she's 12 now, the one that I used to drag along. Uh She, (laughs) she does the, she counts the votes for the Women of Substance top 20. Amazing. And it's funny because I was doing the top 20 yesterday and she gives me this document on Google Docs. You know, she's all professional and, and, and on the document, it said, please do not question these votes. There is much work put into putting these votes together. They are all counted uh, by hand and, you know, signed Julia Noble. Oh my God. That is so awesome. See, she's already on her way to be, to being an entrepreneur. Yes. She has it. Go girl. I thought it was so hilarious. And then she came home from school. I'm like, you know, nobody else sees this document besides me. Right. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> I just had an extra five minutes and I knew you were going to pay me for the whole hour anyway. So I just put that in there. Oh my God. That is so cool. That was your cue. Those were your cue notes, right? Yes. Oh my goodness. She rules. I love her. What's her name? Julia. Julia. Oh my goodness. Well, there you go. See, she already has it. She's on point. You you gave her some, yep. some good tools there. So she's on her way. That's, that's true. That's awesome. <laughs> 
So do you have a book recommendation that you can, I mean, I'm sure being in your, the school that you went to, you have, you read a ton of books on the music business. Do you have anything that you can recommend to artists that are just trying to start out and figure out their way, but maybe something that's not just like the standard, like everybody says, Oh yeah, I read all you need to know about the music business, that big fat book. Uh Is there any other resource that you'd recommend? I do. I recommend every book. And I know this is such a broad Okay, that's a cop-out. I know, I know. (laughs) But you know, I was looking at all my books the other day and I thought to myself, I read every book, whether it's an artist that puts out a book. Right now I'm reading Janis Joplin's book, um, Motley Crue's book. I don't just read the books on a how-to I read the books that the artists write and mainly because you kind of get their insight. You kind of see what, what, because I'm not an artist. I believe me, I've tried singing. I've tried playing drums. I've tried playing guitar. I suck. And so, I mean, I know I have this huge um, respect for musicians because me trying, I see that it takes a lot of hard work and determination. And, um, so I've, I've always been interested in books of artists to see their struggles, their pains, what they liked, what they didn't like of shows, touring, what have you. And so I think that's what helps me um, working in the music industry is I think, oh, Motley Crue said this in their book or Janis Joplin had issues with this. And, you know, it's all relative of, of the year. You know, back then that was the 80s. That was the 60s and 70s. But it still is true, I believe. So. If someone asks me, what books do you read in the music industry? I literally say all of them. And if there's a certain topic or something I don't know about, I I know this sounds dumb, but I go to the library and I look for the dummies for, or, you know, just the basic. And that's a cop out and that's a broad answer, but that's what I do. I don't look for specific books. I don't have one book that I like because I think I take information from every single book. So I'm sorry, I can't really direct you to a a specific book, but I love reading. And so I just grab any book that's out there. Well, that's good. Well, you're promoting the idea of reading and that's important, I think, because, you know, we need to keep educating ourselves, like, as you said, on, on, on the new topics, but also, you know, on the new industry and stuff, but also on maybe what artists have been through in the past and just, you know, their journey. Exactly. That's self-educating is, I think is so key. Um, anytime I feel afraid of something, I know it's because I don't know about it. So that's the first thing I do. I dig in and I just try to educate myself as much as I can and just keep my ears open and listen to advice and, and just move forward, even though I'm a little afraid and extremely inexperienced, but that's the only way you're going to gain experience. So there you go. Absolutely. That's, that's very good advice. I think that's how both of us got into the industry. We did, it's not like we knew what we were doing. We just kind of felt our way around, right? <laughs> exactly. And God, it was <laughs> scary too. And it's still scary, but whatever, you know, if, if I don't do it, somebody else is, or what's that thing people say? Um, if you don't do it, somebody, um, will pay you to, to do it for them or, Oh yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. So that's, that's how I feel. That's awesome. Well, you have done such a great job just encouraging people today and, you know, telling them that it's, it's not like, you know, even as far as you've come, you don't know everything and you're always ready to learn. And I think we should all be in that, in that mindset. So if you could let people know how they can get in touch with you as far as 
uh, Raghouse Records and for the um, the Girl Fest. Absolutely, yes. Um, again, my name's April Duran. You could reach me at raghouserecords at gmail.com. I'm also, Raghouse Records is also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can email me, you can message me, you can write me, um, uh, well, you can't write me a letter. I don't know if I want to give out my address, but, uh, any, that's okay. I don't think anyone writes letters anymore. Oh, I know. And that's a shame. I think I'm going to start, I think I'm going to start that. It's so pers. Yeah. I, I think phone calls and, and handwritten letters should come back. I think I'm going to bring that back mm. just like the, the cassette tape that's trending right now. But, um, yes, you could reach me anyway, message me and please give me 24 hours and I will reply and, um, I'd be more than happy to get your message. So please, I encourage it. Oh, let me tell you, she will get back to you in 24 hours. <laughs> she's so much better than me. I try. And I'm always like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But yeah, she's really on top of it. So please contact her, connect with her on social media so you can find out what's going on with the Girl Fest if you want to attend. And um, just thank you so much, April, for all of your wisdom. Oh, thank and, you. Thank you so and much. I, Absolutely. And I will talk to you again soon. Okay, Brie, you have a wonderful day. And thank you for doing what you're doing because you're encouraging me as well as I'm sure a million other women out there. So thank you, Brie. Thank you so much. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com. With editing by Brie Noble and music by Stella Ronson.